You're listening to The Sleuth Podcast. Real private investigators here to help you find the truth when you need to know. Sharing sometimes shocking, sometimes heartwarming, and sometimes hilarious stories from the field. We keep it real. Interviews with experts bring you insights on how people leverage PIs in their lives and in their businesses. Licensed by the North Carolina Department of Public Safety, here's your host, Jamie. Hello, 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 lovely people. Welcome to the Sleuth Park. <laughs> you know, like a lively, like a cockney accent. Hello, hello, governor. Hello, governor. Welcome to the Sleuth Podcast. We're your favorite sleuths. <laughs> Here to tell you the truth when you really need to know. What up, though? Hey, hey. Hi, friend. Shout out to baby James out there in my Cockney accent, since apparently that's how we're talking today. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. I'm so glad it's Friday. Are you glad it's Friday? Yeah. <laughs> it's ours Friday, but I do have one set of in-laws coming to visit for the weekend, and they are wonderful. It's just, I can't just lay around and be a bum, so I'm like no. mentally preparing myself. Good. Well, you look prepared. Oh, I fake it. <laughs> very good. So my nose ring fell out. I'm very sad about it. It's the one that I got when I was with my cousin in California. So I really do hope that I find it because it's sentimental now. Yeah. And so now I have a hoop. But this one is super cute. Is it not? I, there's this girl that I watch on Instagram. Her name is Fit Girl Mel. Mm-hmm. And she has a little nose ring like this. And it's really cute. Soon I just get fit like her. Then we'll be <laughs> in space. It's, it suits you. It looks good. Good. I didn't know if the hoop was going to be like hanging out and I was going to feel like boogers mm. all the time. But it's okay. <laughs> I like it. I'll let you know if there's a booger hanging from it. Please do. I won't even tell you. I'll probably just pick it for you. Oh. Let's be honest. Okay, look. (laughs) I'm like, okay, get it. Did you notice if it got like really cold? If you wake up in the morning, it's like 28 degrees. (laughs) that have icicles on it? I lived in Minneapolis for a while and they used to issue like eyeball advisory warnings. If it dropped beneath a certain temperature, if you didn't blink every 30 seconds, so the news would be like, remember to blink a lot when you go outside. Yeah. (laughs) Why do people live in places like that? I don't know. School. That's why I was there. Oh. You have a blink advisory. Make sure you blink. At, what, what happens yeah. if you have at like that a temperature? That like doesn't allow your at negative twenty, which is where that settles in. Uh. As soon as you breathe in through your nose, all the moisture just freezes to every nose hair in your hair, and it's just instant icicles. It's not great. I don't like that. Where at all. is this at? So I never go. <laughs> Minneapolis. Okay. Yeah. Hard yeah. pass. Yep. Cundas. Yes. What are we talking about today? I gave Jamie a list of choices for what to talk about, and. <laughs> I'm very glad that she selected serial killers because we're normal people and stuff. But do you know why I selected serial killers? Uh, Because you're a weirdo like me? Yes, but I had a reason. So last time we did podcast, we all were talking about Dexter. Oh, yeah. And I was very upset that I had never seen Dexter and I felt like I had missed out on something. So I have binge watched Dexter from season one to season nine or whatever it's that it good. is. You watched the whole thing. I watched the whole thing from like day three of the election results and I finished it like last week. It was and like it is amazing. A day or two after she told me she started it, I went into the office and she was like already on season three. <laughs> I was like, all right, you weren't joking. I like it. I absolutely love it. Everything about Dexter, everything about the serial killer, the whole thing is just I like, like fascinating. She was, she was yeah. funny. And then she died. Yeah. I'm so upset. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Oh. Well, it's over, right? <laughs> yeah. They're, they, they're talking about bringing it back for a new season, though. Showtime it signed back. it up. Yeah. He looked great with the beard at the end, so I was excited that for he sure. might be coming back. He's going to be like an ice. He's going to really be like the ice pick. 
I really enjoyed how the sister didn't know how to swear, but yet somehow knew how to swear really well. Like just the way she just constantly cussed on the show (laughs) with like in sentences that didn't warrant cussing or ever cussing was never structured in that format before. Right. That's how my husband talks. I make fun of him all the time. He'll say like a string of expletives and I'm, oh really? The fucking shit floor. Like what? Like you couldn't like all the time. That was like her password. He was like password. And then he was like fucking password. Great death. I was like, this is the best. You ask me, I think who the favorite serial killer was. So who was your favorite serial killer guest? Oh, uh, Dexter. Okay, but no, like a killer from the, the one, a season. Favorite one he killed. Yeah, a seasoned killer. There was like almost one every season. I don't know, because I like the people who aren't the killers. So I like- That's um, not the question. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't know if I could really pick one. You didn't love John Lithgow? He was okay, but he's weird. I yeah, liked, he's um, the best. I kind of like the woman's son. And she didn't know he was the son that he had gotten out of the home. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Whoever his spiritual mother was. Right. But I like them all. I like everybody. It doesn't Fair matter. Enough. Dexter gets my pick. You want to talk about real ones and not yes. TV ones? Yes. Cool. Okay. Like we said, today we're talking about serial killers. Really, who doesn't like to talk about them? It's a fascination I think most people have. So, Joe, through the magic of editing, if mm-hmm. we play a little game, can you edit the little time of the game out? I'm going to need each of you to grab a pen and a piece of paper. I promise this isn't a whole quiz show. I just want to play one fun game. Okay. And (laughs) listeners, you can play along and post your score on Instagram or one of those places. In one minute, I got to get my timer. I want to see how many serial killers you can name in one minute. Look, Joe's making a face. He's going to do poorly. You got this. Okay. I can't Google. You may not. (laughs) Ready? On your mark, get set, go. And time. A lot of scribbling over there, okay, we're going to go back and forth and see who you name. Jamie, you can start. Ted Bundy. Joe. I also put Ted Bundy. Uh-huh. Got another one? I put the Zodiac Killer. Good. Jeffrey Dahmer. Good. I put Jack the Ripper. Oh. Sure. <laughs> Andre Chicalito. Chikatilo. Thank you. That's who you're doing today. Yeah. I knew it. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's all I have. Oh. Jamie, you got any more? I went back to Dexter. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Anywho, let's first start off by stating who is not a serial killer. So a mass murderer is sometimes confused with being a serial killer. I will have all of my sources either in the show description or on social media. Sounds good. So the FBI defines mass murderer as murdering four or more people during an event with no, quote, cooling off period between the murders. A mass murder typically occurs in a single location where one or more people kill several people. An example of that would be a school shooter. Yeah. So sometimes people will misclassify killers as serial killers and vice versa. Another type of killer most often confused with being a serial killer is a spree killer. The U.S. Bureau of Justice Statistics defines a spree killing as, quote, killings at two or more locations with almost no time break between murders. So a good example of this would be Elliot Rogers, the incel dude. If you're not familiar with him, on May 23rd, 2014, Elliot Roger killed six people and injured 14 others in Isla Vista, California. Oh. Yeah. He basically drove around terrorizing the community and shooting people at random. He was a disgusting excuse for a human being. Maybe we'll do an episode on the incel community that he was part of because I find that shit is fascinating. So he's a spree killer. 
Yeah, so he's technically a spree killer. So they usually only get like one good spree off and then somebody catches them or they kill themselves or something like Correct. that. Okay, so now that we know who isn't, what is a serial killer? I think Wikipedia summed it up nicely, so I'm just going to read their definition. Nice. A serial killer is typically a person who murders three or more people, usually in service of abnormal psychological gratification, with the murders taking place over more than a month and including a significant period of time between them. While most authorities set a threshold of three murders, others extend it to four or lessen it to two. I've also heard instances where law enforcement or psychologists will evaluate someone who committed a single murder, but will classify them as a likely a serial killer, but they just got caught before they had the chance. So an example of that would be, he's not technically, in Canada, there was the Dexter copycat murderer. There was this guy who wanted to be like a TV and film producer and star. Basically, he set up like a kill room and killed this dude. And he wanted to obviously (laughs) kill more because he wanted to be Dexter. So while he's technically a single murderer, he would have committed more if given the opportunity. Is this a loser? Is he new? He's new. Um, Dexter's new. Yeah, it was in like within the last 10 years. I don't remember his name. Oh, yeah, because Dexter was based off of something. Is he based off of real somebody? No, I don't don't think so. I thought I saw something. Maybe not. I thought it was the life of somebody. Never mind. So when Jamie decided on serial killers, I was super pumped. But then I was like, I have no idea what a normal person might want to know because I'm a freak and have been investigating serial killers on my own for as long as I can remember. So I asked my husband to let me know what are things that he would like to know about serial killers. And he came through. Yay. What makes someone a serial killer? This is a question that has been asked since man realized that these types of killers existed. The short answer is we don't know. There is no one thing that makes a serial killer. Additionally, there is no one set of circumstances that will result in a serial killer. There are, however, some things that serial killers have in common, and this information can help to identify future killers. So one of the early quote-unquote tools used to identify or link serial killings was called the McDonald Triad. This is like the OG serial killer scorecard. (laughs) And the three points of the triad were bedwetting, fire starting, and cruelty to animals. And the idea was that you would have at least two, but usually all three in your childhood. This has largely been debunked as a concrete indicator of someone becoming a killer and is much more indicative of a a home where a child is being (laughs) neglected or abused. What? I didn't see the connection between bedwetting and serial killing myself. So oh, I'm going to talk about that. Don't tell it. So it is. It, it was part of the trend. There are many serial killers that did exhibit all three of these things. My guy, I'm going to tell you why he was a bedwetter. But go. Yeah, but it is much more, you know, likely that they just suffer. I forget what the technical term is for bedwetting, but when you experience it past like the age of normalcy, it usually has to do with like abuse and stress in your life, even as a kid. And that's just one way it manifests. Really bad urinary incontinence. Yes. While many serial killers did grow up in that type of environment, this is a great example of correlation, but not necessarily causation. A better indicator is extreme antisocial personality. People who don't fit in with the, quote, norms of society usually don't for a reason. And I'm not talking about the goth kid down the street or the weird guy who was always digging through the trash for his, quote, art. No, these are the people who are unable to identify with human emotions like empathy. Okay, pause. Mm-hmm. Dexter, mm-hmm. my small infatuation. So that was his, that was why he was so good is because he could be this serial killer and still had empathy and was still able to appear normal. So that's why he was 
able to. I thought I remembered he just got good so at far. faking empathy. Yeah, Dexter's faking. Well, then by the end, he had some because then and he cared for Deb. And serial killers can care for one or two or three people, but like overall, as humanity, they can't empathize. And also, Dexter is a TV show. I know. <laughs> but I think that's why I liked it so much. I looked no, it up I while it, you guys you were know. talking. There is a claim that he's modeled after a real person. Okay, that's killed what I 71 criminals. Name two. His name Dexter is something. Pedro Rodriguez oh. Filho, a Brazilian man known by the nickname. Pedro Han Matador, Killer Petey. <laughs> Killed 71 people. Killer Petey. Don't know that one. I thought I saw that on the thing. I think it was at the very end on the last episode that I saw it. And I was like, oh, interesting. These people have no regard for human life and often see people more as objects. Something that has recently been found as a commonality among serial killers is a severe head trauma in child or young adulthood. These include oh, BTK. BTK, Richard Ramirez, John Wayne Gacy, David Berkowitz, Albert Fish, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. My favorite, most fascinating thing that I've learned recently that is possibly an explanation for serial killing is called the lead crime hypothesis, and I am obsessed with this. The hypothesis is the proposed link between elevated blood lead levels in children and increased rates of crime, delinquency, and recidivism later in life. Okay, this is what you were talking about last episode. Uh, I don't remember, we're but possibly. About the lead. Yeah, about um, ingesting the lead and yeah. having something to do with their actions later in life. Yeah, it's fascinating. While the, this hypothesis relates to all crime, with an increase in all crime, there would be an increase in serial killers because of this type of crime. And I, I just think this is a brilliant explanation. And if you want to look into it further, Kevin Drum from Mother Jones wrote a fantastic article exploring this idea. It's called Lead, America's Real Criminal Element. I also just love the double entendre there, you know, because lead's an element. And it's the yeah. great. Okay. <laughs> People are like, oh, lead paint, blah, blah. No, it's lead from gasoline. Before it was unleaded, the fumes going into the air and you breathing them in. Huh. So that's why all these people had such a high level of lead. And that's why once gasoline became unleaded, crime oh. dropped. But people like to say no is because of the whole tough on crime thing. No, it's because all of the people who had super lead in their body had passed their young adulthood. And so that's naturally when crime for any age group decreases. And the people who were now coming into their young adulthood didn't have the super lead. So they weren't committing as many crimes. Huh. It's neat. That's a lot to think about. Yeah. But it makes sense. Yeah. Something else that Tony wanted to know about is how the motives differ between male and female serial killers. And while female serial killers, can I say SKs? Because I'm going to keep tripping over my words. So SK equals serial killer. <laughs> female SKs compromise less than 15% of all serial killers. Male SKs are generally motivated by sex and sadism. They want to hurt the people they encounter before killing them, or the act of killing gives them a sexual release, or both. Sick. Yeah, so while female SKs, however, are generally more goal-oriented, for example, financial gain or revenge. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Women usually kill people they know. They use less messy or quieter methods than men. You oh, know. like the chick on Dexter that was killing everybody with the poisons? Exactly. That's why they say poison's a female weapon. But it's really because, you can't say this is really because why, but I think it's a good indicator. It's because women have to clean everything up. <laughs> so... <laughs> They know a woman's going to have to clean up the mess, so they don't make a mess for people. That's, I'm just saying. 
Women also tend to be much more effective than male serial killers. They're less likely to be identified or apprehended. So comfort gang killers usually are involved with theft or embezzlement or something like that before they become a serial killer because they want money. Mm -hmm. So they start with stealing and then they're like, oh, I could steal everything you have if I kill you. And a final type of predominantly female serial killers are angels of death, which are like nurses that kill patients. But men can be that as well. That is my next Netflix documentary thing. What? Yeah, they have a nurse documentary thing. Is it fake? I believe Nurse Hatchet is a real thing. I thought it was. Based off of a real thing. Yeah. Um, she's a, check it out. She's I'm a sorry. Nurse I think it's Nurse. Is it Nurse Hatchet or Nurse Ratchet? It's Ratchet because you started it. It's called Ratchet. You started it at work and I was like, turn this off. I want to watch this. Yes. Yeah. You told me to I think it's just called Ratchet. Back. Yeah, but it's okay. So it's spelled like Ratchet and then it has a D on the end, which is why ratcheted. my brain was confused about it. Ratcheted. Yes. <laughs> ratcheted. It says fictional. Yeah, it says it's a fictional character. So maybe it's not based on somebody. Be like another Dexter. She's yeah. a stereotype of a nurse who is a angel of mercy. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how do people survive a serial killer? They've done studies from people who have survived and figured out why they survived. So f- this is of the people survived the percentages. So 45% survived using their skills, like jumping up and running away, talking their <laughs> way out of it, or using their wits and charm, or distracting the killer to create a diversion. That actually makes me feel better. 45%. That's pretty good. That's not 45% of people who are attacked. This is just of the survivors. I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like half of them can talk their way out of it. And just I would also think that a lot of people who survived getting killed by a serial killer might not have known they survived getting killed right. by a serial killer. Maybe, but a lot of people know. <laughs> yeah. We'll get if there. You're like, if you're like halfway into getting stabbed, yeah. if you're like being stalked for a week and somebody gives up on you because they don't think you fit the profile. That's what I was thinking. How many people? No, this is you've been encountered. It's I not like you. you've been dropped off. 20% were <laughs> left for dead, but lived. cite divine intervention, 12% say it was luck, and 5% were saved by police. So, yeah. Down there at the bottom. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, they're like, can you, could you not tell people that? God's still got a better (laughs) rate. 13%. So, I do have a couple examples for the using their skills as we were talking about. One is a fake example, and it's actually not a serial killer, but it makes me always think of it. Have you watched Grey's Anatomy in the past? Yeah. So, there's that scene or that episode where the father who's really mad that his wife or daughter died, I don't remember, he comes in and shoots up the hospital and April is confronted by him and she just starts, she's, oh, my name's April Kepner. My, I don't remember what she says, but she's, I grew up on a farm. My dad's a, a steel worker. My mom's a school teacher. And she just starts like rattling off facts about herself. And she says in the episode that she heard somewhere that if you can humanize yourself, you're more likely to survive. Hmm. He was technically a spree killer, but you get it. Let's get there. Like, I'm pregnant. I have kids. Yeah. I have. Okay. So here's a real life example, though. Serial killer Robert Ben Rhodes was active from 1975 to 1990, and he was a serial killer known as the truck stop killer. A survivor of his is Vanessa Veselka in the summer of 1985, which despite this and many other terrible things was a great year because that's when Jamie and I were born. (laughs) (laughs) So she was a hitchhiker and she'd been doing it for a while and she got in with a truck driver who seemed totally normal. 
She wrote a award-winning essay in GQ. <laughs> you can check it out. It's called The Truck Stop Killer. But here's a little excerpt I'm going to read for you. She says, He must have seemed okay or I wouldn't have gotten in the truck with him. Once out on the road, though, he changed. He stopped responding to my questions, his bearing shift. He grew taller in his seat and his face muscles relaxed into something both arrogant and blank. Then he started talking about the dead girl in the dumpster and asked me if I'd ever heard of the Laughing Death Society. Quote, we laugh at death, he told me. A few minutes later, he pulled the truck onto the shoulder of the road by some woods, took out a hunting knife, and told me to get in the back of the cab. I began talking, saying the same things over and over. I said, I knew he didn't want to do it. I said it was his choice. I said he could do it in a few minutes. I said it was his choice. I said I wouldn't go to the cops if nothing happened to me, but it was his choice until he looked at me and I went still. There was going to be no more talking. I knew in my body that it was over. Then he said one word, run. Without looking back, I ran into the woods and hid. I stayed there until I saw the truck pull into the interstate. It was getting dark. I was still in shock, so I walked back out onto the same road and started hitching south. I never went to the police and didn't tell anyone for years. That's scary. Isn't that nuts? You should never hitchhike, ladies and gentlemen. That's always a big I no. was a lot more normal back in the day, but... Yeah, but still, how many people died from hitchhiking? Yeah. Actually, the percentages are really small. It's okay. We're not going to get into that. I just heard it on a podcast oh, my recently. My said it was a lot. It, it was and I should never do it. Well, I agree, but... So I didn't. So that's all I got for our background info. Jamie and I are telling you and each other a story that we don't know each other's, although I guess yours. And uh, yeah. Imagine my voice reading your company's advertisement on air for all the followers and subscribers of all the shows recorded at Podcast Carry. Your advertisement can be customized to say whatever you want said about you and your business. We would love for you to sponsor our show and support the sleuths and also advertise your services and messages at the same time. So, Jamie, start us off. I'm ready. Let's do it. My guy, his name is Andre Chikatilo. You right? Mm -hmm. And he is from the Ukraine. So this gentleman, Mr. Andre... Because I'm not going to say Chikatilo <laughs> too many times. But he was born October 16th, 1936 in USSR, hardcore place. This was in 1930, and he was born during a famine. I guess the government was horrible. The country was pretty rough at that time. Yeah. And his family was super poor, didn't have anything, and he was brought up during all this. So his upbringing was very rough. He didn't have much. And while he was probably elementary school age is when World War II started against Germany. Andre, as a baby, was diagnosed with hydrocephalus. Hydrocephalus is one of those things that, as you grow older, gives you urinary issues. Mm -hmm. He had erection issues and mm -hmm. then all that went on. So I looked it up as a condition, which the accumulation of cerebrospinal. <laughs> occurs within the brain. This typically causes increased pressure inside the skull. Older people may have headaches, double vision, poor balance, urinary incontinence, personality changes, or mental impairment. So Andre and his family, they were farmers. I think they were sharecroppers, but even poor. They were on somebody else's farm and got to keep whatever they grew, but they still didn't even have enough food because it says that they were eating grass and leaves like oh, the yeah. family was. So. 
rough. His mom had told him a crazy story about this supposed brother, Stephen, who had been kidnapped and eaten by the neighbors. Yeah. (laughs) But it wasn't actually a real story. They don't know if it was a real story or not because they're not really sure if he actually had a brother or she had a child or not. So was she trying to scare him or was she just being mean or did she feel like it was better to tell him that to just keep him close to home? Who knows? I I think she did it to to be like, if you're bad, I'm going to give you to the neighbors. That's horrible. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The poor child would eat him instead of... The food, since there was no food anyways. Yeah. I don't know. Andre's dad ended up going to the war. And during that time, his mom was raped, supposedly in front of him, by a German soldier. While he was off to war, he was captured by the Germans. And I guess he was released and then was made to feel ashamed by his country by getting caught. Sound like that guy that said he should have never got caught. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was like, that was terrible. So, of course, he comes back home, and all of this affects his family, especially Andre. And Andre is now bullied at school, and friends are picking on him, and all those lovely things that kids do. So, 15 years old, Andre attempted to have some kind of control over somebody and tried to overpower one of his sister's friends and tried to rape her. But during the struggle, he released before he should have. (laughs) It's like, how do I really say that? He prematurely ejaculated. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to go with released. Okay. Let's all pretend I didn't say that. (laughs) No, we're going to say it again, which is really gross. So he was really (laughs) upset with himself and had this mental thing. He can't even overpower a child. So I guess this continued to create the crazy of who became Mr. Andre. And then, of course, all the friends found out about it. I wouldn't say they're friends, but his schoolmates found out about it because I'm sure the girl told And then they bullied him even more. The man attempted to go away to college, but failed his entry exam because he probably wasn't that smart because he was probably peeing his pants at night. (laughs) And then he ended up going into national service and he moved in 1960 where he became a telephone engineer. His sister moved with him because she was concerned about his social life and ended up setting him up on a date with a friend of hers who he ended up marrying in 1963 and had two children and this quote-unquote normal life. So there we go again. I guess he tried to do whatever his serial killer job was going to be, and then it didn't work out so well, and maybe he tried to be normal. Then things happened. So 1971, Psycho became a school teacher. And while he was a school teacher, he was assaulting children and exposing himself to the children and other people and many reports of being inappropriate. They still let him work there and police were never called. (laughs) So weird again. So 1979, Mr. Andre committed murder of a nine-year-old girl. He killed her in a shed. Same type of thing, over, tried to overpower her, again, released before he should have, and then ended up stabbing the girl, leaving um, her body in the woods nearby. An eyewitness saw Andre with the girl, but Andre's wife gave him a rock salad alibi. They went and grilled her, and then she was like, nope, he was home with me. And I guess in, what, 1979, they didn't have too many video cameras <laughs> no cpi security to let him know if he was actually there or not and then he was no longer a suspect of that murder and so they moved on the police were still trying to find the killer of the child and located another possible suspect who ended up being the wrong man so i guess in russia whenever they're investigating you 
it's considered super brutal and they're probably waterboarding you or this is still the USSR at the time. So what's happening? I don't know. Anything about no, that. I'm just saying it's not like Russia specifically. It's USSR, which was super oppressive. So yeah, that's one reason why, you know, crimes and stuff didn't get investigated too much. They didn't have the resources. Everybody was starving. And that's probably partly why the wife gave him an alibi is because they have two kids. And if he goes away, then she's like extra fucked. Who's going to take care of him? Who's going to give him any kind of money? They had this brutal investigation of this wrong guy. And the guy ends up admitting to the murder just so that they would stop abusing him. And they moved on. They thought they had solved the murder of the little child. And then we go on. So Andre takes a break. I guess he wants to go back to normal life again. In three years, he went without committing any murders. So because of all of his issues at the school, he wasn't allowed to teach and he was struggling finding a job. So he ends up working for a mining company that allowed him to travel all over the place, which pretty much presented the opportunity for him to pick up his habit again. So September 3rd of 1981, he kills a 17-year-old girl. Same thing, brought her to a wooded area, gagged the girl, sexually assaulted and left the body. These things just would happen now because there'd be so much DNA everywhere. The way he was <clears throat> releasing. Well, yeah. Considering he couldn't keep it together. Who knows yeah. where it was. Okay, anywho. After he killed the 17-year-old girl and got the mining job and he's moving all over the place, he becomes the actual serial killer. Okay. So he establishes his pattern and he's got the way that he's going to do it. So he's going to meet these young people. He perfected um, his his craft, yeah. his method. So he met young persons, didn't matter if they were male or female, usually at the train station, befriended them and would lure them into the woods or like a secluded area, kill, mutilate. Sometimes he ate the sexual organs and removed tips of their noses. Slashed eye sockets, removed eyeballs. So there was an urban legend in the area where they said if the victim saw the killer, then the imprint of the killer would be in their eyes and the police would know who did it. So he felt like slashing their eyes was going to prevent him from being identified. Right. It traces back. There was a lot of like uh, mysticism, if you will, in, you know, the back in the day in Russia and stuff. That was... Something that people believed, which I always, I'm always like, how would they get the imprint off their eyeballs, though? I guess, like, <laughs> I guess, I guess it's just going to sit up there. It's like a picture. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it really doesn't even make sense. No. So, okay. Weird thing. So there were not ma- many serial killers known at this time in the Soviet Union. So, of course, people were talking. Rumors began to spread, but the police just really wouldn't get involved because, like you said, they really weren't able to handle these type of cases and didn't really know what to do. So 1983, this guy, a detective from Moscow, his name was Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I know everybody else's name was really tough. Uh, the detective Mike. I mean, it was well, probably it was like, like Mikhail. Yeah, it was like Mikhail, Pete, something, something, something. So I was like, you know what? His detective name was Mike. <laughs> so he realized that these crimes were committed. He know, He's the one who diagnosed it as being a serial killer. And he got forensics involved. So they started with a list of known sex offenders and got a lot of people to confess to these different crimes. But because of the way they interrogated people, there were like four false confessions. So the forensics in this case is how they figured it out. So our guy was blood type AB. Mm -hmm. The semen that they had from the crimes was only A, but his blood type was AB. So in 1984, there were rising murders. The police were trying to figure it out. They're everywhere. Andre is getting nervous. And then... 
They arrested Andre at a train station, his favorite place, where he was acting all weird. They said he was, like, shifting his eyes and stuff, and they were, like, they just happened to be up there. I don't think there was, like, a real reason that they had been, like, called to the train station. He was just Did you see a picture of him? Weird. Yes. Yeah. He could just be. He could just be standing there. He looks weird, <laughs> and you would be concerned. Yeah, right? I'd be like, "Ugh, I'm gonna cross the street now." <laughs> so they tested his blood type at that time, and it did not match the killer's blood. So the blood type or the blood was type A, but they were able to hold him for three months for minor offenses. So Andre was a non-secretor. I looked that up. Yeah. So a secretor's status refers to the presence or absence of water-soluble. ABO blood group antigens in a person's fluidly bodies, such as saliva, tears, breast milk, urine, and semen. People who secrete these antigens in their bodily fluids are referred to as secretors, while people who do not are termed as non-secretors. Secretor status is controlled by this certain gene, and the secretor phenotype is always inherited in an autosomal dominant manner Mm -hmm. anyways approximately 80 percent of caucasian people are secretors while 20 percent are non-secretors but they didn't say anything about any other races i thought that was interesting what does that mean why what do you mean like that only like caucasian 80 percent of caucasian people why does that matter where'd you get that info from (laughs) something online i don't know it seemed pretty credible but yeah that that statistic sounds correct i I just don't know why they were only talking about white people i know i'm gonna look that up for all the killers no. The majority of serial killers are. I was about to white say, men. I didn't see too many brown folks in there <laughs> <laughs> in the list. So, our guy was AB, but his semen was only showing as A because right. he was a non secretor. They let him go after his three months, and then six more years, he went on, did some killings, and they were never able to match it to him. 1988, he started killing again. But he got reckless and was like super messy this time mm-hmm. because after a while they just can't keep up with this lifestyle, right? What happens? I Did forget kid- what podcast it is. I want to. I think it's last podcast and left. Maybe they call it when they go into berserker mode, and it's just they get to the point where they just can't hold it in anymore, and so they just go berserk, and that's right. when they make mistakes. It was like when Dexter, <laughs> when they tried to stop him from killing, and yeah. then he was like slapping people and imagining that he was just like. slicing the throat of whoever's in the office. Yeah. So he had these moments, got really messy, and the chances of getting caught were super high. So 1990, they interviewed him again after he was caught being suspicious at the train station where he had just come from killing his final victim. At that time, they finally decided to run a background check on him. (laughs) Stupid. He's been there five times, and you're just now (laughs) running a background check. And found out that he had all of the charges from what was happening while he was at the schools and exposing himself. So they let him back out on bond, and they tracked him. They tailed him. I guess they didn't probably use a GPS at that time. (laughs) But they tailed him, and then they put a wiretap on his phone. So 1990, the police found him again at the train stations, acting suspicious. And the police picked him up. And he wouldn't, of course, admit anything. They brought a psychiatrist in and made him feel like the psychiatrist was trying to all about him and how you know right. awesome of a person he was. And this fool fell for it and told them that he had killed 56 people. They found 30. The police had found 36 people. He told them about 20 more. And they actually found 53 of the victims and three were left out. 1992. They had a trial and they locked the man in a 
steel cage inside of the courtroom because they didn't want him to attack any of the people who are in the courtroom. <clears throat> they said that he was just putting on all types of a show in there. He's looking weird, making these weird sounds, even takes out his little genitalia, yeah. his little hard pe- um, unhard peeny, yeah. won't get right, and just flash it out for everybody to see. Yeah. They have a picture yeah. on the thing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pictures, mm-hmm. especially of the crime scenes, too, with like all the guts and all that stuff mm-hmm. hanging out. So interesting. You can look that up. He tried to appeal the 52 death sentences that he was granted (laughs) for killing these people. And in 1994, the state government, who the country, executed him by shooting him in the back of the head. And that was the end of Andre. The podcast Time Suck has an excellent episode on him, if anybody wants to check that out. What's it called, Time Suck? Time Suck is the show with Dan Cummings, and he did an episode on him. And so Dan makes up like characters and stuff, but he also does impressions throughout the whole show. <clears throat> and so the Chikatilo episode, <laughs> I'll try to do my impression of Dan doing his fake impression. He's like, Andre Chikatilo and my small shame cock. <laughs> he always calls it his, he's like, why you laughing at my small shame cock? I'm Chikatilo. Oh, <laughs> the poor man. No. Some people, I know, but it, maybe this thing worked. It might would be better for him, but he was struggling. Um, from the very yeah, beginning. but like maybe just don't kill people. Like a lot of he killed like a lot of people. I know. So, so that's we can make fun of his limp shame a, cock. We can make fun of yeah. it. It was a little pitiful looking thing. Yeah. Don't also, see. the steel cage thing <laughs> that he was in 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 the courtroom always makes me think of in Harry Potter when <clears throat> we do the flashback scene to Igor Kakarov and he's in front of the. <laughs> Wizenagamot. Yep, I'm a super nerd. Anyways, he <laughs> is. Mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. standing in like a cage, but it's it's a cage that has spikes that if he moves an inch, a spike would hit him. And I was like, that just always makes me think of that. And Chikatilo probably could have used one of those so he would keep his limp shame cock in his pants. It never came out of his pants. It just. Well, yeah. Serial killer number two. All right. First, I will, I'm going to say this is an old timey case. My All my data might not be exactly perfect. So I'm grain of salt and uh, don't come for me. We're going back to jolly old England, circa the 1870s love. Mm-hmm. So Jamie, have you ever heard of baby farming? Uh, yes. You've heard of baby farming? Yes. Some uh, sick older woman has taken these young children and pumped them up with babies and she's passing out the babies and getting paid for them. Yeah. Farming was a historical practice of accepting custody of an infant or child in exchange for payment. Yep. Sometimes it would involve wet nursing, which I think is so strange as a profession. I think that's very weird. That came from probably slavery days. I still think it's weird. Anytime you're nursing a baby that's not yours. Yeah, it's quite weird. weird. <laughs> quite weird. It's horrible. It's kind of like they do the cows. They're just basically sucking them dry and then there's, it's not normal. Ugh. So One pay- baby per <laughs> cycle of pregnancy. <laughs> Sorry. Totally made sense. So this payment could be a lump sum or they could pay over time for them to keep the kid like Fantine in Les Mis. Anybody's familiar with Les Mis? Fantine sends her daughter off and she pays them periodically. And while the couple that took in Cosette were absolutely horrible people, the woman we're about to talk about makes them look like a combination of Fergie and Jesus. So, Amelia... Fergie and Jesus, that's an interesting combo. Go ahead. It's a reference to Step Brothers. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that in a while. I I gotta go back. I always talk in movie quotes. 
All right. So Amelia Dyer was born in Pyle Marsh, Bristol, in jolly old England, sometime between 1829 and 1836. Not entirely sure. She trained as a nurse, and during this time, she met a midwife who turned her onto a very lucrative business, baby farming. And as I just mentioned, one of the way to pay the farmer was with a lump sum. And there were primarily two kinds of clients that she had. They were either rich people who wanted to keep the pregnancy a secret and therefore were willing to pay big bucks to have their child secreted away. But more commonly, they were poor, impoverished, single mothers who could not care for the child and so would only pay a small amount. Amelia didn't care either way. Other farmers would try to earn a profit by adopting out the children. But since that would require actual work, Amelia would just let the let her starve to death. So you may be asking yourself, why were so many women giving up their children at this time? It's all thanks to the patriarchy. In 1834, Britain passed the Poor Law Amendment Act, which removed any financial obligation from the fathers of illegitimate children. Insert very dramatic eye roll. <laughs> so, while living in a society that stigmatized unwed single mothers, women weren't allowed to ask the sperm donor for any financial support. Neat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even, there's nothing. That's why I was just like, neat. Cool. Not. Ugh. So, this new law was tailor-made for a grifter-like dyer. So, she would take in the babies, and then what? At first, she would give them something called, quote, Godfrey's Cordial, which was nicknamed Mother's Friend, which was a syrup containing opium. This would quiet the babies that were screaming because they were being neglected, and so they would starve to death in silence. But even this became too taxing for Amelia. So to rid herself of her wards, she would strangle them to death. Eventually, a body was pulled out of the tank. Wait a minute. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Why? The babies? Uh-huh. How was she going to sell them if they were all dead? She didn't sell hers. So some baby farmers would take them in to adopt them out, but she... Like a real job. Like work. like a private orphanage, if you... Yeah. But she didn't want to have to deal with that. She just wanted... She took the babies. What was the purpose? Okay. She, they paid her to take the babies. But then she killed the babies. She only killed the babies that were being loud. She only... <laughs> I'm confused. Okay. So she would take in a baby and people would pay her to take the baby, right? Yeah. So oh, other she was people taking in the baby, she would take in the babies like right. she's going to care for them. And instead of caring for them, she would just let them die because she wants to keep the money. Girl, and- OK, keep going. <laughs> like, sick. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So another example, shit, somehow I forgot her name. There's a really famous like baby farmer that was in the U.S. And there's actually like famous people that were farmed out from her. But she would take in the kids and she would. Try to adopt them out. Uh Amelia didn't do that. She just took in the kids and then got rid of them. Uh Because I guess you could say she was more of a quantity versus quality kind of farmer. Okay. Yeah. So she would give them mother's friend or this cordial, which had opium. So babies, when they're starving to death, they're screaming their heads off. And it was annoying. So she would give them the opium so they would shut up and just be quiet when they died. But then even that became too much work. So then she was like, I'm just going to get rid of them real fast. And she would just strangle them. So eventually a body, a little tiny baby body was pulled out of the Thames, which would be traced back to one of Amelia's aliases. And the baby had a piece of tape wrapped tightly around its neck. 
So the police began to search the river and found several more tiny bodies with tape on their necks. When asked about this, Dyer said, you'll know all mine by the tape around their necks. Gross. Jeez. So she was tried for the death of the first baby at the Old Bailey in May of 1896. It took the jury a whole five minutes to find her guilty. She was hanged on June 10th, 1896. And while she was only tried for the murder of one baby... Estimations put her true kill count at... Let's make um, guesses, because um, I want to be a game show host. Wait a minute. 11. Okay. I'm trying to think how many babies would they actually give her before they realized that this was happening. So... Since none of them are growing up to Just, school. I mean, she... Joe, what's your answer? Let me do some math real fast for you. 12. So, she was killed in 96. <laughs> she was killed in 96, and she probably started doing this in... 56, maybe. So, so 40 years of so, this? So, yeah, we'll say like 30 years, mm-hmm. maybe. Say 30 years of this. Okay, you guys, those are your guesses? Now I'm going 20. I'm going to go 100. All right, we got 20 <laughs> and we got 100. I'm winning now. <laughs> For sure, they found six with tape on their necks, but experts think it's likely she killed between 200 and 400, <gasps> making Amelia Dyer, a.k.a. the Redding Baby Farmer, a candidate for the title of the world's most prolific serial killer. Wow. 200 to 400 babies? Yeah. Here's, again, did not anybody realize that when they she they were dropping babies off, the babies were never coming out, that babies were never growing up, that was, was some of the kids living? No. So the thing is... Was she living in a hole somewhere that nobody saw it? She would occasionally, like I said, she got caught by one of her aliases. So there were at times where suspicions would come up and she would just move. And you have to remember the people giving her the babies are people who don't want their babies either because they're trying to keep it a secret so they're never going to check on the kid or it's people that can't afford the kid and so they're not going to go try and see them. It's not like she put baby farmer on her taxes. You know, it wasn't... She would tell people... That they got adopted. Yeah, no, I get it. No, I'm just saying that's what people, I think, why some suspicions weren't raised sooner. It's always like some dumb ass police officers that just, okay, what's the guy on Netflix? And I'm horrible with names, but he just started, I don't know, three names. But I just look it up, Netflix, the serial killer guy. I think it's called Killing Confessions or something like that. But I told you, I've like ever since we've been talking about the serial killer thing, I'm watching all of the mm-hmm. killing people things. All the but, serial killers um, have three names. It's like a thing. I forgot what I was talking about. Forgot the whole point. Netflix serial killer. The confession killer. Yeah, the confession killer. Oh, yeah. But he wasn't really. He didn't really do them all. He's full of shit. He's crazy. So what's his name? Henry Lee yes. Lucas. Lucas. Henry yeah. Lucas. Yes. He's a lunatic. I forget the point of it. But anyways, I think that they thought it was him. And so they brought him in like he was helping with the case. And Mm -hmm. then they end up finding out that he was lying. Right. So they found out he was lying because he was talking to the Japanese guy. And he was like, oh, I've even killed people in your country. And he was like, oh, you've killed people in my country? How do you do that? Yeah. He's the same way I did him here. And then they're like, how'd you get there? He's like, I drove. You're an idiot. You have three teeth in your mouth. There's no way you drove from here. Oh, to, yeah, but they to so they took him all around the country. He got free trips. He got out of prison all the time. I know. Go walking around, hanging out. There's pictures of him, like, in a diner with a bunch of cops. He doesn't have cuffs on. He's, like, just hanging out, eating a burger. Like, yeah. He gained the system. like, sh- And he's a moron. Oh, that's what I was talking about. The police suck. <laughs> because oh, they yeah. have these people, like, right here in front of them, and you haven't solved the crime. And the 5%. 
police are the mm-hmm. ones that actually help people get away from serial And I know that serial killers are not normal people, and it takes a lot sure. to figure out who they are. But there needs to be more Debs in the world. Like, the police catch more serial killers than... These are just the ones who were saved from it. It's hard to catch a serial killer in the act to be able to save a victim. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they catch a bunch of them and stuff. You have to be patient. Yeah. And on it. The problem, the majority of serial killers kill people they don't know, which makes it so hard to catch them. That's like the primary reason why, because you can't link them to the victim. So victimology, like you have to have more than one victim in order to figure out who's At being targeted and why. And Within the same type of victim, then that's usually easier to figure out, right? Right. And geographical area and all that kind of stuff. That's like Samuel Little, the guy who was only recently found out, who is like definitely the U.S.'s most prolific Maybe I think he is technically the most prolific serial killer and definitely the most prolific black serial killer has killed. I don't even remember what his number is at. And he has like a photographic memory and he drew all the pictures. Did you see that? I think I saw that. That shit is scary. Is that? um, But he killed all over the country. And that makes a big difference too. Yeah, because jurisdictions don't talk to each other. They've put devices in place to try to help different organizations talk to each other and talk about the different crimes and stuff so that you can catch them more, you know, quickly, but it's, it's not perfect. No, they don't even share DMVs. They right. They don't share other things. Right. Yeah. Just think about how hard it is for us to get stuff from California, just from driver's license. So how much did you learn today, Joe? I didn't know a lot about all the different serial killers. I was, I've been doing just goofing around on line, looking stuff up when you guys are saying it. There's one guy that's pretty shocking to me, Harold Shipman, who has yeah. 218 proven murders. Yeah. And he was a doctor. Yeah. I uh, thought about doing him. Not oh, who you would he's think it would be. Fucking garbage. How was he killing him? How was his, what was his method of taking him out? I think Harold Shipman. Harold Shipman. I want to say he gave Medicaid overdoses to that's- induce heart attacks and stuff like that. Okay. It's kind of like the mercy killing, or not the mercy killing, like um the angel of death type of thing. Sort of. Mm. That's so scary. Y'all stay safe from silly serial <laughs> killers out there. Yay! <laughs> if you notice a red flag, go the other way. Um, there's You can look up, like, you're not going to get killed by a serial killer, is my point. You're more likely, you're like a hundred times more likely to die in a car accident. And I know, I'm sure that doesn't make anybody happy, but I'm just saying, like, the <laughs> likelihood of you being killed by a serial killer is infinitesimal. You're good. Don't worry, people. But keep your eye out for the creepers like Andre Chikatilo and his limp shame cock. If you see a limp shame cock, run the other way. Yes. Report it for sure. (laughs) Report that limp shame cock. (laughs) (sighs) Thank you. This is amazing. Okay, so thank you for my lesson on serial killers. Now I got to find another small obsession. Yeah. Also, and this is up to you. I was going to say we could put up on Instagram or something and have people vote for what our next topic is. If you want, just an idea. Yes, let's talk to uh, Homegirl about that. Yeah. Don't say her name. I won't. Because it's so unique. It's Stop it. May as well be Katie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kate. <coughs> Follow your favorite sleuths <laughs> on all the things Facebook. And tell us who your favorite serial killer is. I would like to point out Amelia Dryer is not my favorite serial killer. Who? I just... The chick I just did, she's not my favorite serial killer. I just know she's not super well known. So You made us pick a woman and I had to pick a man. And so we had uh, right. things to do. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. The baby killer. 
I knew that came from somewhere. Every Law & Order episode has come from something in real life. And I'm just, that was an episode. <laughs> That's how I knew. Olivia Benson taught Th- me. They have that category on Hulu, Rip from the Headlines. Mm-hmm. Yes. I watch all those. Yeah. yeah. Tony and I are watching it and I'm like, oh, that's actually from this case and blah, blah. And like the new episode, I think the second one, I was like, oh my God, they're combining like four real cases in this. I love and this. And they do that. They do that. The next one, the last one is quarantine and something. This I haven't watched it yet. The third really one? Good. Don't yeah. tell me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All the things. Follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, The Sleuth Podcast. And we'll see y'all next time. Stay away from limp shame cocks. <laughs> Blackman Detective Services. Check out our website at blackmanpi.com and follow us on Facebook. We don't sleuth shame. Subscribe to The Sleuth on your favorite podcast app if you really want to know.